Chicago Portal. I got heart, and I've gotten my ass whooped because of it. I've broken my nose because of that, having heart. But I, I've developed that heart being in the game. I just thought that people were gonna just start grabbing my dick all night long throughout my whole fucking shift. I was like, this is gonna be hard work just to make some extra money. Dante Hernandez. He made a name for himself as one of the most popular bartenders in Boys Town, Chicago. He is an intentional father, a generous brother, and a man who is always on the search for what lies behind the curtain of the mysteries of the universe. In this conversation, we dive into his past as a gang member, his experience being famous in the gay community, and his life-changing experience with DMT. Here's my conversation with Dante. I hope that, that my um, girlfriend's cat is here today. Why is he here? Because her parents are um, in Brazil and out of town, so I'm just uh, babysitting the cat. Do you like animals? I do. I just feel like sometimes I know I don't have the time for an animal, so yeah. Like I would love to receive the love of an animal. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Two nights ago, my cat was waking me up to go outside because the cat goes outside. For a walk? Just to hunt, (laughs) find mice, whatever the cat does. But he likes to do that every morning, pretty much. Oh, he at night. At night? He's kind of a nocturnal Nocturnal cat. That's cool. And uh, I was just fucking annoyed. I'm like, I need to fucking rest. And like… During the day, you know, I'm in my office. He always, like, claws on the door, wants to come in, get yeah. on my seat, and, like, chill while I'm working. And it's just such a distraction. I have to, like, stop my brain from working and open the door. And it's just, you know, thinking about, oh, he's crying. He needs food. It's just… I mean, it's so simple. I just need to go get him food. It's not a yeah. big deal. But yeah. it's just such a distraction. I feel like it's just too much. It could be a lot. I think if you're not invested, like, fully with your heart, like, this is something I want, you're always going to look at it as like a burden or uh, like, yeah. oh, because then you're doing it not out of like true love. You're doing it more like, oh, this is my responsibility. Yeah, It's hard, especially yeah. when you take on an animal that's not really was yours. Mm. You're going to have empathy and like, you know, show love and create that bond. But yeah. when it's still breaking your daily cycles, you're just like, oh, damn it. So I'm, I met up with someone a week ago and she was talking about Because I was struggling with being selfish because my stream of income that I had stopped. And then uh, there was someone in Ecuador who was asking me for money. And like I started sending them money because his father was sick. right? But after a while, Arrow was coming and I needed money. And I just felt like, oh shit, I can't. Yeah. You know, and then I kind of got into a mode of like not being generous. Yeah. I mean, I had money. Yeah. But I was like, no, I need to keep it in. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I went into this scarcity mindset, which isn't true. Like there's abundance. I just need to go out and receive it. Yeah, That's what I, I believe sometimes. But anyway, yeah. this woman was talking about how when you get selfish, mm-hmm. it gets the energy stuck. Have you heard people talk about how if you give, you get back? Mm-hmm. The idea is that kind of like the heart pumping. The heart pumps by things coming in and things going out. But if things don't go out of the heart, mm-hmm. then it just gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's how sickness happens, right? Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's why sometimes I get depressed or I feel stuck or not free. You're not giving enough, you feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Like not, yeah. Yeah, that could be it. No, yeah. I, 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 could, I could feel that. I could remember a good time in my life. Where I felt like I had everything going for me. I had my girls, a good job, money. But it, I didn't feel complete because I, I wanted to give to society. I felt like everything was just about me, catering to my wants and what I desire. And so I reached out to learn magic. And I became a hospital magician for, you know, I trained for like about maybe like six months. I did six months of work. So I dedicated about a year of my time to you know, doing that to give back. And I think that was just my 
inner consciousness telling me like, hey, you need to do something, you know, you know, give your time more. Even though I was like still been a nice person to my neighbors, people around me, you know, like I'm always trying to give my time or my advice or my help or my resources, my clothes if I need to, to someone that needs it. Yeah. But um, I wanted to use more of my time specifically dedicated to like doing something for like at that point was for kids that were sick in the hospital. I think that like just helped soothe my soul of like knowing like, all right, like I'm giving. Did you feel like the universe gave you something back in that period of your life? Joy, man. The satisfaction of seeing those kids smile, changing their lives. That's that energy we're talking about where like you're giving your heart and that, I didn't expect anything in return. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to give and that enough, I already knew it was just going to repay itself by just seeing the joy. Like that alone is just like, fuck, you know, I'm changing this kid's day. You know, he's stuck in the hospital. It's hard for me to get here and do what I got to do. But at the end of the day, it's hard for them to face what they're facing. So it just, it always put me in good perspective too of like throughout my busy week of me, me, me. Like now it's like a reality check of like, hey, you know, it's not always good for everyone else. It might be good for you, but here I am, you know, trying to give to, to the the people that are not in the, a place that I'm at, you yeah. know, that are enjoying the things that I'm made to enjoy. So that always felt rewarding. That's cool. The way I experience you is you're a very generous, giving person. I've never experienced you as like, no, this is mine. Selfish about something. Right. <laughs> Growing up poor, I guess. Where you're, like, I I grew up kind of poor. I think I'm. You're just always in a habit of sharing. I'm assuming, you know, like yeah. I'm, I've always had. I had to share a bed with my my brother or my mom at some point. I had to share rooms or we're in a studio or a small space, sharing food, a meal. Was your mom pretty giving um, and generous? Well, she gave what she had. So most of the stuff she probably gave to us were probably yeah. things that were hers, you know, yeah. to help us you know, survive or whatnot, you know, or maybe she gave her her meal that maybe she was hungry and didn't eat to make sure her kids ate. Yeah. You know, I, I could see there was a lot of situations like that that were happening, even though my mom was a great mom. And I believe, um, I know she did the best she could given yeah. the circumstances she was given, being a young mother, being 15 years old with kids. She had my older brother, Andrew, when she was like 15. She had me think when she was 16 years old. So just being a single parent, wow. a, a, a child having children, yeah, you can't yeah. imagine how hard it is and not having the support of either the fathers there. So just doing it by yourself, I think, could be a challenge for anyone and especially it's someone that's at a young age. So yeah. it was hard. And I think it also gave us me a lot of lessons and made me thankful. And yeah, it just, I've always been giving and really I, I like the sense of giving. You know, the joy you get when you see someone receive something, especially when it's something that they really want or that you have, or they just, they're so thankful for it. And then they just appreciate that thing probably way more than you did, or than you appreciated to begin with, you know? And so I just feel like it's just, that energy itself is incredible. Yeah. I have friends that see a chain that I'm wearing or something. And if I know if it's not something like my girlfriend gave me or like I got personally that I like, like I'm always like, you know, do you like this chain that much? You know what? Here you go. And then mm. just seeing that reaction alone is like, what? For real? And then, yeah. then they wear it with pride or when they see you again, they're wearing it. They get so much good energy just knowing that they see you wearing the thing that they like and they're just proud of it. And they're proud to tell their friends like, oh, Dante or someone, you know, this person gave me this. And mm-hmm. it just creates this whole like flow of energy that, yeah. All I did was give someone something that they liked. Yeah. Whenever I get something from you is I don't get the sense that you want anything back in return from me. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's how I am subconsciously. Not that I'm trying to. Sometimes when I give something from somebody else, there's like a sense of like you owe me. Or you know how sometimes you that situation, yeah. that's the energy. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. icky when yeah. like they give you something. Yeah. But like with you, it's not there at all. That's what well, I believe your ability to sense energy for one is incredible because that's very much intention when people have that intention either to do something that is just for the sake of good, just doing it, or they're doing things for they want something in return, or yeah. they expect it at the, 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 the thank you or whatever the case may be. Yeah, like yeah. 
I always try to remind myself, like, not even the thank you is something that I should be looking forward to when I do something nice from the bottom of my heart for yeah. someone. You know, like, just me knowing I'm doing good and helping them is good enough. It should yeah. be good enough. But where does that come from? Like, how, how did you learn that? I learned it from when I see people display that. And then when but I like, see… like, who taught you that? Like, who was the first person that you saw display that that had you be like… You know what? I want to be that way. Or maybe not be that way. Maybe I've seen someone doing something, expecting something out of return, and just seeing that energy that they get when they don't get that thank you or they don't get that gift back. Or yeah, but like you're talking just, very general. Was there a situation in your life that really taught you that it became you? Like it's you. You know what I mean? It's your essence. It's not like you're trying to be generous or like yeah. you're putting so much effort into it. It's just comes naturally for you to just I love giving or something like that um I was basically I don't want to say quote-unquote like a leader but I was definitely a head person in like a street gang that I housed a lot of kids that were came from abandoned homes or just abusive homes or no homes at all sometimes and just having that empathy of just seeing a kid or someone that's just sad or you know their situation, like I, I just feel, I just felt, and I've always been like, oh, you know, what can I do to help? And whether it's giving my clothes or giving them a place to stay or, or giving them that motivational talk of, hey, you know, things are going to be all right and, you know, you're, you're okay, you know, and yeah, you can hang out with me, you know, and just giving them that I think was a lot. And, um, I guess I was always put in that type of place where I had to help a lot of people or people saw the help and they were like, okay, well, let's go over here. Let's hang out with him because he's a good person and he'll take care of you, you know? I did that a lot. I did that for my brothers a lot. My brothers took care of my, my younger brothers a lot. Yeah. And I still feel like to this day, they look for me for guidance and as a I'm going to say, quote, unquote, a father figure, because none of us had really those type of father figures. So being the older brother yeah. always gives that position where you're having to take care of your family. And so. How did you get into a street gang? Neighborhood. I think, for one, my older brother was in, um, I think, a street gang. There was always street gangs around my community, whether they were like tagging crews or street gangs growing up in Chicago. And um, I always saw the the community base from it was having a large group of guys together, looking out for each other, quote unquote, protecting the community. I didn't really like feel at first like, oh, this is something I want to do. But then I saw my brother getting involved a little more in gang, which kind of sparked my, my mind of thinking like, oh, well, this is something really cool because my older brother is the part of this community of a gang. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, me and my older brothers didn't always live with each other. So when I was living in the suburbs, my older brother was in the city. There was local kids that were part of a, a gang that were part of the community I was living in. And um, one of the guys that was part of the gang was just, I guess he just liked my energy and character. It was like, you know, you're going to be part of this. You're going to be part of us. And yeah. I was like, okay, like sort of like hesitant because I was like, what the hell am I signing myself into? How old Probably like 13 years old, maybe. Maybe a little bit younger or older. I knew I was heading into, I believe, sixth grade. Mm. And so I was like, okay. But I was sort of scared. Like, I agreed. And then I was like, oh, shit, what did I agree to? And he was introduced me to some people. But I was always hesitant to, like, fully go to the group of the guys or other members were part of to, like, be like, hey, what's up? I'm part of this. I'm a new member or whatnot. Because I, I just didn't know what that all entailed. I don't know if they were going to send me out in the streets to do something crazy. Or they were going to question me about like how much respect I have or how loyal I am. Or I don't know. I was just like, what the hell is going to happen? Mm -hmm. And then slowly moving from that suburb, going to another suburb and seeing just more structures of a gang. It sort of just made me feel like it's more of a family-based type of organization for the community. Like... Sometimes the gangs run the streets and when you have that type of backing and people look out for you and you don't got to worry about other people attacking you, then it feels good when you're walking in a neighborhood like that. And I, I saw that a lot throughout Chicago. I felt like there was a big unity. It felt good. Like if I was 
in some neighborhood, go to a neighborhood like way up north, completely different neighborhood, mention some person, some affiliation to a gang, and now you would have the whole neighborhood respect you and greet you with like food. So it was just like, whoa, like having that type of like system felt really cool, mm-hmm. despite a lot of the the bad rep that gangs do get with like the violence and all that stuff. But yeah. I felt like the community aspect of it was really appealing for me. The camaraderie, the connection. The connection, just the respect. The respect is really huge. I think that alone was something that I wasn't really taught not having a father figure. And so having the gang infrastructure, some type of discipline out of me with like greeting another man, we look at him in the eye. When you shake his hand, you stand up and uh, you don't call them certain words or you don't look at their girlfriend and disrespect him as a man by staring down their girl. Like if you did certain things to opposing gang members or your fellow gang members that was disrespect, you would get hit in the face. You would, they were taught def- you etiquette. They, yeah, they taught you etiquette and they taught me like, hey, you know, if you fuck up, you will get hurt. You know, it's not just like, oh, you know, like, it's okay. Don't do it again. It was like, no. So you would get hurt. And that made me just more hyper aware of like, okay, when I greet another man, I'm going to look him in the eye and I'm going to shake his hand and I'm going to stand up. And when I see his girlfriend, it's beautiful. We know how beautiful she is. I am not going to just stare at her bluntly and just being like, oh my God, you know, and just creating that disrespectful environment. And I felt like, Gangs really put that on me and like to have that respect, which yeah. I try to carry to this day because I feel like a lot of the respect that, that was taught, it applies to a lot of things that I feel like most people get offended for nowadays anyway. So yeah, I try to just keep aware like, hey, you know what? I can't just do whatever I want to do without expecting the repercussions to happen from it. Yeah. So they taught you to respect other gang members? Just too? men, I want to say in general. <clears throat> I want to say in general, they taught me how to respect other men. Other men. Other men, just people. Like, just knowing that if you don't have that respect, just that common decency of being respectful from the beginning, like, you don't know who you might be disrespectful to. You don't know yeah. what, who, what that person has been through. You don't know what they're a part of. You could be disrespectful to just anyone. And that person could be a freaking killer. Who knows? And, yeah. you know, and you're just being just rude. Yeah. And and they teach you to be respectful to other men who aren't in your gang? Um, to members of other gangs outside of your gang? That it was it's kind of tricky. It's like is there certain rules that apply to having an approach another gang members and stuff yeah. like that? Some people really played by the rules and it it really did, but as newer generations came and people that were really sh- structured in those laws and rules that applied those rules and laws either died or got locked up. I don't think the government, the police really wanted gangs to be as structured as they were like during the, maybe the early nineties or eighties, you know? And so they really want to dismantle that type of system of structure with having disciplined leaders run it and just have them be running wild or People didn't care about respect from people in their gang or outside the gang, you know. So yeah. I think that really sucked. There's a lot of kids out there that are still in broken homes that don't really have something out there that's going to keep them in line. Like the police, our government that is out there in, in some of these broken neighborhoods are not giving a shit about some of these kids. Yeah. But then it leaves responsibility to the community or other men out there, which some other men have their own families to worry about. Are there some men out there that will take a stand and, and do something for that community or their community yeah. with like an outreach group or being a big brother or, yeah. you know, it's that, hard. What's sad to me is when you hear the news about gangs, you just hear about the violence, right? I never knew about all the positive things that being in a gang gave you mm-hmm. to help mature as a wise, full, whole man. Yeah, I, I don't want to um, say that the gang really crafted me for who I am, but it definitely they, it left a lot of things in me that made me a, a good man, yeah. which there's a lot of things that I was like, what the fuck? You know, why are we doing this? I, mean, I never did anything really bad, but there was things where people were stealing and, you know, just being mm. accomplished to those type of things. Or I wish that um, the structure of it would have been more just really helping the community, not just doing things that typical people think that 
bad gang members do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like some some people get a high of just that. Like, oh, like I want to get the thrill off doing something bad. And mm-hmm. they get the energy from just being erratic. Or Yeah, yeah it definitely was a, a good learning curve for me to be in part of that. But um, yeah. How did you get out of it? I really was like phasing out of it when I had a girlfriend. Actually, the girl that you know named Yeah. And so uh, being involved with her, it took me out of the streets and just made me just want to be with my girl. So it took me out of just hanging out with my buddies, my guys. And I started just wanted to hang out with her more. And when I was hanging out with her, I felt like I was being a little more focused with money and stuff. And so... I felt like it was a good thing going for me at that time. Yeah. The gangs, believe it or not, uh, they were uh, kind of dis- disappointed with me working in the gay bars. And I think that was like their <laughs> like official, like, we don't want you a part of us anymore. You wait, know? wait, what? Yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> wait, hold, hold on. So, so when we were living in Wicker Park together, you were still part of the gang? Sort of. Like, because I guess there was, it wasn't really like, an official withdrawal on my part. I felt that since I wasn't obviously communicating with the head of people in charge and I wasn't actively involved, I think when I first started working in gay bars, like I think I had got some type of comments from some of the gang members that I always just like ignored it. Like, shit, I don't give a fuck what the fuck you guys think. Like, yeah. you guys are not paying my bills. I'm yeah. a grown man. I've been taking care of myself for a long time. And so why do you care now about what I'm doing when all of a sudden you see me doing something that you're not familiar with? Now all of a sudden you care about me. Like a year ago or two years ago when I was in the shits, my gang members didn't come up to me and be like, hey, you know, are you okay? Or do you need anything? Or can we help? But it's when they see you making money, doing stuff, that's when they wanted to complain and act like I was doing something to disrespect them. And so... I, I I got actually when I had an official meeting to get out of it. One of the the main heads of the guy, like he was locked up for a while. He finally got out, and when he was trying to get everything together, I guess he called the meeting to have me be present to like have me have my like official dismissal. And so I agreed to show up to this meeting, which could go both two ways. When you're going to like a gang meeting to get out of a gang, like either like they're gonna whip your ass kill you or like have we do something to get out of it or they might just be like you know what you did enough for us it's an easy go mm-hmm. but I didn't really know you know like, I didn't know what the fuck's going on or why'd you go then because I I, I got heart mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's one thing where I I've carried with me and I've gotten my ass whooped because of it I've broken my nose because of that having heart but I, I've developed that heart being in the gangs, because I'm like, I'm not gonna be afraid of another man. I'm, I'm, if I see a group of other men too, especially, I'm not gonna think like, oh my God, I should run away. Like something inside me just always tells me like, you know what? No, like you stand your ground, yeah. you know? And whatever happens, happens. And maybe that's a bad way to live, but it's gotten me where I'm at now. So anyways, I agree to go and I show up and I walk in a room with, I want to say at least 35 men in this damn room. And they're doing like their prayers and shit. And I'm just like, whatever. Prayers? Yeah, some some gangs have like a prayer where they'll say some type of ritual or just list their codes and creeds of like what they believe in. Like, I don't know, something about power, strength, respect. You know, they just have a certain okay. values. They might like pray and say before like having a meeting just to Got it. have everyone on check and on par with what. What the gang's about. Yeah, what yeah. the meaning is. And um, so then they bring me up to the circle. I'm like surrounded by all these men. And then um, they're addressing like why they're frustrated with me and why I need to leave this gang. And I'm looking like, what the fuck? Like you guys never give a f- And you, you guys are hurt over this. So I, I found it kind of hysterical. <laughs> But then then what what kind of pissed me off was that there was a younger gang member that which doesn't even know me, doesn't know like what I've done to help out that community and people within that gang or whatever. And so he wants to speak out off of his own frustration of what he probably saw on the internet, which is probably me like hugging another man or some bullshit. And so he's just like, oh, you know, you're doing this and this and, you know, just talking loud. I felt like out of pocket with showing disrespect. And so that's when I got in his face and I 
basically let him know I got heated. I was like, listen, bitch, you know who the fuck you talking to? Like, first of all, I'm fucking slim. But you better recognize, like, who the fuck I am. Second of all, like, who the fuck are you to be fucking coming over here, getting into my fucking, you know? So, like, I really had to put him in check, yeah. which I didn't want to. And that side of me sometimes comes out where, like, I get real aggressive. Yeah. But um, I wasn't going to be disrespected. I didn't care if it was 30 of his gang members are surrounding me and um, my other gang members saw that and, and they couldn't do nothing but respect me even more and they're like hey you know what you, you're you know a good guy you did this and this and we're just letting you know like we just don't want to have any type of affiliation with what you're doing because it's going against our laws of like not being with other men and not trying to say you are but it looks like it and <laughs> And it's just, they're just like, we just don't want like that type of person to be affiliated with with who we are. And I was like, you know what, man, it's all good. Like I haven't been with you guys in this amount of time. Wish you all the best of luck. Obviously you guys are taking this really serious and I I hope you guys make the best out of whatever you're trying to do. Because for me, I didn't feel like they had a goal, a positive goal. So it just, I didn't want to be a part of it anyways either. So I was like, fine, great. I'm glad that this is now officially done. And then they're like, all right, you can walk. And then I I want to admit, when I was ready to walk out, I I, I got kind of scared thinking like, I'm going to turn my back. And then one of them's going to just like start wailing on me or some yeah. shit. But no, they let me walk, man. I walked out with my head up and walked out and walked to my car and I drove off. And that was the end of that. And I was I was happy about it. I was happy for one. I showed up and I stood my ground amongst all these motherfuckers, and so that that always that felt good. Like I was just like good. Like I didn't fold, and I felt proud of that. Damn, I did not know that you were still affiliated with the, right? the gang that whole time. Right. Well, I wasn't really like doing it. Like I was affiliated with that gang, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Is but, he still? No. Hmm. Oh, no. Is that why you're so tight with them through that experiences with that gang? Not really through the gang, but I think we connected more outside of the gang. Yeah. It was probably mostly because we both had like girlfriends. We were like, I was phasing out because I had a girl and he was sort of phasing out too. He had a girl. And so I was like that person where like, oh, we could do double dates with. And he saw that I was trying to do something more. And so he sort of like, we both fed off each other, trying to push each other to do more. Yeah. He's a smart man, so I knew he was capable of doing more. And so I always try to keep him around. Same thing. He was part of the same the same gang. Mm. I always try to, like, push him, too, because I know he was a smart man. Even though he's made tons of crazy decisions, he's still doing them now. But <laughs> he came from where I come from, and I think that's always, like, a cool thing to have when you have someone that's was like put in the same fucked up predicament as you. And then you see them still fighting and pushing and still making something of themselves. And it's always like, cool, you know? Yeah, not too many people are like that. Um, They have that type of loyalty that uh, that's hard to find. Um, But just even with family or friends, I know like if something was ever to hit the fan and needed their back on to do something, they would be there. So if we all have family now and has kids, as kids, I have kids, you know, and so now we're looking out for our family and you need your brothers and you need your people to sometimes help out with certain things, you know? Yeah. So it feels good to have those people around. Do you do you still connect with them pretty often? Um, I tried to connect with two days ago with my daughter, but I had to change plans. But yeah. I, yeah, I try to keep a contact with them. I think it's important. But how, how, do, you, how do you manage? Because I feel like you're in a different reality. You're in a different portal, right? Mm-hmm. That's just how life works. You kind of drift into like the direction that you're in. Are you trying to say like, how do I manage to keep in contact with those type of people when I have so many other things going on? Kind of. It's like, I don't keep in touch with anyone I knew from high school or middle school. I mean, yeah. I, I'm Facebook friends with them. Yeah. But like, I just don't have anything in common with them. I understand. Where my mind is, what I'm focused on, yeah. it's just totally different. And yeah. A lot of them were when I grew up in church. Correct. So there's people that I highly gravitate to now that are either new friends or whatnot that we're just either they're inspiring because of this, 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 or I just like the way they think. And it's something that I know could help me push me further, which those are the people I I try to like hang out with a lot currently. But um, there are just a few people that I think 
that I like to just talk to and look at after for or check in with. And I think those two guys are probably like the two guys from my youth that I, I do that with. Yeah. Because I don't have too many people to check in with that understood that time of my life. And I think I always have a good time talking about those times in my life and having those people there to just reminisce, I think always feels good. So, yeah, yeah I think I, I've been trying to be more in contact with, with them as I got older. There, I think there was a large time in my life where I just cut everyone off, my family. I think when I moved in with dude, I was around that time too. Like I was like, you cut everyone off? I, I mostly did. I was Why? like, I just wanted to, I think, reinvent myself. I was trying to change what I learned as a, a kid throughout my youth from the people I was around, like my family, my friends. That was the purpose of me moving towards more of the inner city just to get out of like the, the gangs and my family that I felt like it was kind of like toxic to me in that like little environment. So mm. I was just like, you know what? Let me just go out somewhere where I don't know where I'm going to go with the people I'm going to be living with. And I'm just going to live and figure it out now, you know? And, and I've, I've been almost that same way for the past, like, like 12, 10 years, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, same shit. Like, I yeah. live up north where my family lives all down south, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I hardly, I hang out with my mom or my family every once in a while, but I'm still trying to, I guess, reinvent myself. Is that because you feel like the current version of you it, it, it's too stucky, like it's a cage and you need to break free of a new expression of yourself? What I, is it? I just, I think being just not locked down, I guess, to a, a group of people, I think just allows me to just constantly change the way I need to change. Like yeah. I have nothing just keeping me in that same flow or cycle. That's just the way I've been functioning as an adult. Like I have people that I'm close with, but... I'm never giving them like me every weekend or yeah. my time every, you know, sometimes I might be in contact with them a lot at one little point, but I have so many other things I got to think about and do. Yeah, I can't dedicate my time to as much people as I, I would like to. So I feel like the most, for the most part, the people that get my lifestyle and that just love me for who I am, they, they don't give a shit if I stop talking to them for a long period of time. They're just like, oh, okay, you know. I see your social media. It looks like you're doing fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Social media yeah. definitely gives people an insight where, like, I don't need to check in yeah. most of the time. Yeah. You know? I feel you. Yeah. How did you start working at a gay bar? How did that fucking happen? Did You have a lot to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Hmm. <laughs> did you think oh, I, I want to work at a gay bar or it was just a bar and it just happened to be gay that we so, walked into this is how it comes back to my friends his older brother's gay he was actually his older brother was probably one of the, the first gay men as my adult life that I was comfortable just to hang around with there was a large period of my life from my youth to my adult where I didn't really want to be around gay men or just hear about them or just, I had a bad taste in my mouth because I was sexually abused by my mother's ex-husband um, that was apparently a child molester. But at the time, I, I was so young, I just put, like, being gay was part of being a child molester. Like, I just mm. saw, like, like, another man touching me and that just, like, was, like, gay, you know, mm. like, so I, I was always uncomfortable with, with that type of uh, lifestyle, I guess. Didn't really care to like look into it or, but um, older brother was gay. I got, me and were really close. And then I had a chance to just like meet his brother, I, I obviously out of respect. I'm like, oh, hello, how you doing? And, you know, we had like a few talks and, and I think like we just hung out maybe one night or a few nights with him and some of his friends came over and they were just all so nice to me. And, and like, you know, I was kind of like, a little bit scared, but they always just made me feel comfortable. Like, oh, you're just a cool friend, you know? And I went out to maybe like a few bars with them, a couple of gay bars, you know, I got invited and I was like, okay. And they would always be like, oh, it's going to be fine. There's, there's lots of girls there. And 
they always just like took care of me in a way where it just felt like a family, like just guys just like, oh, you know, I'll cover your drinks for this round or like we got covered for this to get in. And it just felt like they just really cared about me in a way where they wanted me to have a good time. And, and I was having a great time. I went to the clubs with them and I always felt protected and, you know, like it just felt good to be around people that took care of themselves too. I guess that was kind of new seeing men like really take care of themselves and, even to being like gay men's homes, like I just saw the detail they took to like just keeping it clean. And it was very appealing to see like that type of lifestyle, I guess, that was very like tailored and clean. And so like I was like, anytime I got invited to go hang out with his brother or his friends, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Like we're going to go to some cool gay bar to be, you know, like I'll have a good time and they'll look out for me, you know, and it's going to be fun. So um, that really opened my eyes to that community and um i was trying to encourage him to take bartending classes with me because there was a time where i got like a suspension of my job for like a week or so for something stupid and that put me in perspective of thinking like okay you know i only have a certain amount of money in my bank account i got suspended from work what can I do to help better my life? And I used a little bit of money I had and invested into bartending classes, which was a smart thing for me to do. And I tried to encourage people to do it. And he was interested in doing it. Like, yeah, you know, we'll both be bartenders. And instead of going to the clubs, spending money, we'll be working into some bars and clubs, you know, like drinking for free, having a good time. You know, it's just a win-win, you know? But then he, he sort of like backed out of the deal. Like he didn't want to do it backed out maybe because of his girlfriend I don't know what the fuck what, what it was but I ended up taking the classes got my degree in bartending I think I was living with you at the time and then um I was trying to work my connects to get into a straight club and bar or wherever but none of my friends came through really like everyone's like oh yeah we got you but there's just nothing never really happened and so I was just sitting on it. And I think like you you were like seeing me being like in a constant down situation with like girl. I think I was like really trying to give it at the time or some bullshit. And then um, I remember just one day you were just like, bro, get up. We're going to go look, get you a job at a bar. We're going to go to Boys Town. Because I think I was talking about like, oh, um, brother mentioned that it would be a good idea for me to just go check in Boys Town for a job. He was saying that I will guarantee get a bartending gig, you know, if I look over there. And I just never really like, oh, yeah, let's do it right away. But you pushed me to really get my ass up and then just go and do it because I wasn't really motivated too much to make it happen. But when you really, you told me, let's go. And I thank you, man. You're such a, you're such a great friend to like just care enough to be like, let's go. We're doing this. And and we did it, man. And and. Now it's it's shaped me to who I am now as an adult, you know? Like I've done bartending for the past 10 years and uh, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, for you and for my other friends that were part of that process. So, but thank you. You're welcome. What, uh, how did it shape you? How did it positively impact you? It positively impacted me because it, it, for one, it made me comfortable with myself in a way where I felt like, just being probably just being an average man you're just not as comfortable with being naked in front of the public or in front of other men or in front of other men that want to like sleep with you that you're not interested in so it just made me just more comfortable and confident with who i was because that job i had to work their requirement was me working in my underwear so it was just i a straight dive into the the fire with working in the nightlife industry at a gay bar and so it, it, it was scary at first i was scared like oh my god like what am i doing and what are people gonna think of me and how long did that last <sighs> to be honest it it didn't last that long that feeling i think after the probably like the second night of working my underwear just catching the vibe and just seeing it wasn't like I just thought that people were going to just start grabbing my dick all night long throughout my whole fucking shift and just I was like this is going to be like hard work just to make some extra money you know and I was kind of afraid I was like damn is this going to be like worth it or is this really what, what I should be doing like I almost felt like I was like selling my body you know just to make a dollar which I, I probably was you know but but it, it, the people that that went there, everyone like 
obviously they were looking, but as I was making my run, they, they had me like selling shots. So I had a chance to like really walk around and like talk to the customers. And I saw there was still, there was like respect there. There would be some people like, you know, try to get like a quick like feel or whatnot. And I think the way I handled that um, was just like very, just trying to be cool with it. I don't want to like make people feel uncomfortable. But overall, I think over time, people just started respecting me more and just knowing like, okay, you know, this guy is a straight guy. Like I never wanted to lie to the community and be like, oh, I'm gay, I'm undercover or just to make money. And I wanted to be just honest and be like, hey, yeah, like I'm here just working, you know, just I want to become a bartender, you know, yeah. and, and I like the gay bars. The gay bars are cool. So well, which which bar is that? The first one? Spin. Spin. It, it really... um brought me that confidence, man. And it's so good to to have that confidence within myself. And then to also connect with the community that like for a long time, I was very against, I guess. Not like super, but obviously I felt a certain way because I got molested. And that that was really nice because I got to see a very vibrant community of, of performers, dancers, people that like, you know, express themselves in a very vibrant way or take care of themselves. Like I really got to just be surrounded with that and that type of entertainment with just seeing drag performers or just dancers dance. I think that was like very good for my soul. Like it was just nice to be around that type of energy of people that are just out having a fun time, dancing, just, you know, making jokes and everyone just took me in in such a loving way. I think that I felt good. I felt like I was part of like quote-unquote, like a gang again or a family. You know, I just had a group of people that knew who I was, looked out for me. You know, I got to see every week, you know, and so that was like my people's. So, yeah, that felt good. I, I think learning about the community was rewarding as well, as well as um, learning more about myself. It was fun. I had a great time. It was just so much fun. Do you feel like you're transitioning out of that? What? Where are you at now? You know, I've definitely created a name. And I think with any type of like exposure, it could go, you know, there's a lot of people that are not going to support you the way most people see you. And I think that really hit me hard during COVID. Just like having certain individuals like reach out that were just being real negative. And I just, it just really. Like what would they say? To be honest, like, I don't want to get too much in it, but it's just, yeah. like, I had like some real, like, evil people that just was just too much. Like, and I just felt like, is me being in the public eye yeah. the way I am? Is this worth it? Is, do I really want would, people? Would they, would they do it in social media? Just any way possible. Oh, okay. But it's just, it's just like having that type of energy yeah. because people see. You know, you doing something big and they get infatuated with you and you're not giving them a type of like energy or love. You know, when people get obsessed, you know, there's no telling, you know, what limits they'll do to just get a reaction from you or mm. whatever. And having a daughter, especially, just I told myself, is this worth it? Is me being in the public eye? constantly getting more attention and building my brand and image up. Is this going to be healthy for me in the long run? Am I going to feel safe walking out my door because of someone that's maybe jealous or envious or whatever, you know, or do I want everyone to know who I am anymore? Do I want, do I want to be that type of person where everyone knows me, my business, you know, it just becomes, it could become very toxic in that type of way. You're just having everyone all in your shit. And for a while, like I, I, I took pride in, in having that for a long time because I felt that since everyone's all eyes on me at some point, or if I have just that platform where people are watching, I want to be able to be a good type of role model where if I have all eyes, I mean, cool. Well then let me try to do the best I can to help people see that I'm trying to be a good person. You could be a good person too. You could try to take care of your body. You can, you know, so like I try to use it for, to my advantage and help inspire and motivate people in which I felt like I, I, I've done. I've had so many people constantly thanking me for just helping them be able to express themselves better because they see me, a straight man expressing them, himself in a very open 
confident way that sometimes even gay men are afraid to do because they're afraid that how people are going to view them. And so giving people that type of just strength, it was, was, is always so rewarding. People are constantly thanking me of, of new ways that they can take care of themselves better because they see me doing it. And they're like, oh my God, thank you for opening it up for me. Or thank you for mm-hmm. helping me with that. Or your central motivation. And so all those things from people that I connect with, like those feel so good. And I think that's always like, man, you know what? Having this exposure and this type of is a blessing and I should continue to use it and help. But at the same time, you're just like, do I really want to give my energy out like that too, so much? And sometimes I want to just shelter myself in. I don't want to like talk to no one and mm-hmm. reserve my peace. But um, overall, I think I'm more of trying to help. I think once I get past those negative vibes of feeling like, you know, because there's going to be negative and positive, you know, the balance, right? So I, I just, I try not to let the, the negative sway me away from what I've been doing that I feel good doing. So you're saying that you're moving away from the attention? I want to say like, I am, it's it's going to be there as long as I'm in the industry. Yeah. The attention is going to be there. And I feel like I've probably made too much of a dent to like try to get away from it. And obviously people mm-hmm. know who I am. But I just, I think now I'm just, I approach it differently. Like I'm not as expressive body-wise how I used to be. Like I definitely, I'm covering up a little more. Consciously? Just like. Or just subconsciously? Both, I want to say. But yeah. more like I'm pretty much like, you know, do I really want to like take my clothes off to get all this attention? Or do I just want to have a chill night and yeah. have that type of energy? Before, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, no, every night, like, let me get naked. Let me, you know, work in my underwear. Let me get that attention. Yeah. I, I love the energy it brings. People are a lot more excited when they see me. People will definitely get a different vibe when they see a person, like, showing more, looking good. It just creates a night, you know, for most people. Like, mm. it even changes their, from having a, a bad day to a good day, you know? Mm-hmm. They're like, they might have been having a shitty day, and then they come to the bar and see me naked. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> and so that creates that spark mm-hmm. versus me, like, just having clothes on. They, we might, we're going to have a good time. We start to talk. But, like, I think just having something that gets their attention but helps to fill in that gap and to create that conversation and to make them feel good. Yeah. So it's it just depends. I, I love making people happy. I love creating an energy. I love when I could change the energy in the room. So don't get me wrong. I, I love if I do take off my shirt or whatever case, whatever item clothes, I know that shifts some energy. So that's always appealing and something I like to do. But I think now that I'm just getting older, I think, I don't need to do it all the time as much as I used to. So yeah. that's cool, man. Yeah. You're getting older. <laughs> right. And plus, I'm not as hot as I used to look. So, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> do you feel like it's harder to upkeep as you get older? Uh, the more responsibility you have, I think it gets harder to upkeep. Yeah. And I think money frees up time to do the things you really want to do. And I feel like. Now that I have more responsibility and I still need to make more money currently, I just time is it's it's kind of really hard. Yeah. But um, I'm still taking care of myself in a healthy way in other ways than what I was doing before. I think so. I don't feel like I am like oh, because I'm not working out as much as I used to. Like, oh, I'm being unhealthy. I just feel like I'm applying my time and energy to other things that are bringing me joy more. Yeah. Yeah, I think like cleaning my home brings me so much joy. Taking care and catering to my girlfriend, that brings me so much joy. Taking care of my daughter, catering to her, it brings me so much joy. And I think um, those are things. And take care of myself, like whether I need to just take a breather, meditate, and just sit, you know, and just look at the water. I think that's always healthy for me. Someone that's been through so much and it's constantly go, 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 like, just taking that time and just knowing, like, you know what? It's going to be okay. You know, I don't need to be in my head thinking I need to be doing this. You know, like, it's going to be fine. You said cleaning your home gives you so much joy. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I'm trying to understand that. Okay, so think about this. Whenever I'm stressed out, 
when I clean my space, my temple, it allows me to like process my own stuff a little bit better for some reason. Like when I have a clean space, I'm just now like more in tune to like me because I have no distractions. And I think when I don't have my space clean and organized, I get, I get, I get almost like I just I'm not comfortable. I guess. How, when did you learn that? How did you figure that out? I think it just happened over time because I I I'm, I never really was like a super clean freak. I'm not trying to say I'm now either, but but I think. Um, the universe. I think sometimes, like even when I would trip on maybe acid or mushrooms, I just get really like anal about cleaning. Like it's something like huh. God is trying to tell me, like keep your space prepared and clean. And even when I like would go into like a crazy like DMT trip, I would always like feel like I need to make sure my place is like spotless. Like that's like the respect I'm giving to like the gods for like entering another realm. Like I want to have myself like catered and clean and plus the space that I'm conducting my ritual in catered and clean as well. I think that just always feels good. Like I'll light a candle, I know everything's clean and it just feels like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to allow this energy in now because I, I did my part. Yeah. And I think that's highly the universe constantly disciplining me. Like always like, you need to do this. Yeah. How did you get into that? Because when, when we first met and even when you started working at the gay bar, you never talked about the universe or in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. And it, I started hearing it from you like later on. When yeah. you actually took me on my first mushroom trip, I'm like, right? What, uh, what happened? I, I just didn't understand what really was happening throughout my youth. I think I was constantly getting signs because of like being aware of like just energies and, but I I just didn't really have a resource or something to help explain what's happening. You know, I just knew religion and I just knew. The streets, you know, it's like there wasn't really another thing for me to read about that I was aware of. And I think the first time I took acid, I think I was like 14, I had like a super bad trip. But thinking about it now as an adult, like I think that bad trip was more of like a help trying to correct certain like bad traits or things that I was doing that I couldn't do better. And I think just feeling that and and seeing that, I guess, just really tormented me. We felt like, you know what, I don't want to do this. Just type of thing ever again. And as I got older, I wanted to revisit that, that those places. And I think that was just like part of me of just wanting to be stronger, trying to like conquer any fears. And I felt like I was fearful of psychedelics because of feeling like I'm going to go have a bad trip. And so like I was constantly like trying to push myself again. When was this? Maybe like around like 15. No, no, I'm talking about when you were like, I need to face this fear. When was that? Um, I wanted to revisit it when I was like 17. Like I did it again. And then I just kept trying to revisit it. Like, all right, well, let me take some more and, you know, explore that side, explore that darkness or that unknown space. Because you wanted to face it and not be afraid of it? Yeah. I wanted to, I, I didn't want to be afraid. I told myself that, you know what? you could conquer this. You shouldn't be afraid. Like, why are you afraid? Like, what's going to happen to you? Lose yourself. But I'm still here. Or maybe I did lose myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who knows? But it felt good knowing that I could I could go there. And yeah. What, do you have an inner bitch that says like, oh, I don't know, man. You don't have that? Or you just like, you yeah. just punch through that <laughs> voice? Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I I try to do my best to face those fears. Yeah. And I feel like God will present certain things to you that you need to face and you will face it and you will get through it. And I feel like for some reason he's he's put a lot of obstacles and things in front of me that I had to face probably more than others. And um I'm I'm still make it out, man. There's been times where like I'm like, how the hell did I get out of that, or why did that horrible thing happen to me? Like shit, and and I keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and it you know you get stronger. So yeah, let's go back to your relationship with the universe. Mm-hmm. When did that start to bloom? 
Because you're talking about doing psychedelics to face your fear. Yeah. But that doesn't tell me that you started this relationship with the universe or… Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if when I first had my first DMT experience, if that was like my real like eye-opener, which I probably was. I think that's when I really like… I had so much like things happening at that time. I was like doing nightlife and making quick money and doing this and doing that. And life was, was very fun and fulfilling, but like I wasn't really connecting to like my inner self, which yeah. I just was like, whatever, you know, like, and I think that really like put me in that place of like, I had a, a super crazy trip where it brought me to a place where I felt that I was a part of an elite society for some reason. And I had to sit down with these people and that just really exposed me to the, you know, another dimension that I was not aware of. And it really put me in my place of feeling like, whoa, there's more to my life than just what I thought it was. And mm. there's more to understanding my life than what I'm currently thinking it is. And that really tickled my mind to search and search and search more. Like I thought that I knew what I needed to know or I didn't think I needed to know what I needed to know. But now that I saw that, I couldn't just resist it. Just seeing what I saw and feeling what I felt really put me in a place of like, you know what? I need to search more. I need to find more. I need to figure myself out more. Obviously, there's something that I am that I I want to know more about that I got a little open window to. And so I think that really helped me focus my energy more on myself and my inner being and focusing, reading more about like, how can I learn more about those things that I saw or learn more about my own energy, you know, like, and I just just opened up a whole new world to me where now I'm forever trying to learn and I'm forever trying to learn about myself and better ways to connect and learn about my energy in a better way and learning how to heal better, learning how to keep positive thoughts in my mind, how powerful our thoughts can be, the way we speak to another, the way we speak to anything in the world. Our words are so powerful, you know. Everything is so sensitive to the things that we say and do. And I think I'm constantly trying to remember that and not to like think negative thoughts and to put good energy out there constantly because how powerful I know it is. Did you have other DMT experiences that were as profound as your first one? Yes. And it took a while to get there after the first profound one. Uh, the first profound one like left me with so many questions and trying to look for so many answers. And I think after that, like I was so hyped to thinking like every time I go back, hopefully it's like the next episode of where I left off with the first one, you know, mm -hmm. which it wasn't the case, you know? And I think that kind of left me kind of down. Like I'm thinking mm -hmm. like, wow, like, well, maybe that was some crazy thought in my mind or whatever. Like, obviously, like I thought it was something really profound and special as a message. And then not being able to see anything like happen from it, like kind of dis discouraged a little bit. But I still questioned the universe. And I think the more I questioned it and the more I was like just being ballsy with it, it started to really open up more and show me more signs. Ballsy with it as in taking more? Not necessarily, but like talking to the universe in a way where like, you're full of shit. Like mm. what you showed me was nothing or like, oh, I, I, I knew this was nothing. Like, you know, you're kind like, of testing. Yeah. I was, I was just like, why would you show me this? If you're not going to show me anything else after that. All right. I'm not even going to think about it anymore. Like, or I'm something special. And I think that alone made me see more things, not even being high. And then when I started seeing things like signs or certain numbers that I, started looking around and investigating and then I would go back to the universe like with either a DMT trip or whatnot to go to another dimension and then uh, one night I uh, had a very emotional night before going into the trip just questioning the universe and that night it really showed me so much that like brought me to my knees crying like and so 
after I saw that one, and then I was just like, all right, all right. I, I am sorry for questioning you. You know, I know you're giving me what I need when I'm ready. And, um, you know, I just was thankful that I was chosen to receive these type of messages that it was showing me. And so it just, it made me feel special, like how I felt when I first had my big message that, through DMT, it just made me feel like, oh my God, the world is so much greater and powerful than you could ever imagine. And and seeing that those possibilities unfold in front of my eyes and seeing like things happen, like that just, it just made me feel so little, but also so special. Like of just being able to have these type of things unfold in front of me, having these type of things, expose and allow me to see the universe in a way where most people probably will never be able to see. So I think that alone keeps me in line. Even when like I get, I'm back in this dimension constantly doing what I got to do here. Like I always have certain reminders of there's something bigger and better yeah. than what we see. Do you, So it's not how much you take, but it's when the universe wants to show you certain things. It's the timing of not how much you take, but there's a force outside of. It, it, it's it's that. both. I think it's it's both. I think it, it's me because I was very being very vigilant on going to those places using those substances because I kept trying to search and search and search. What were you searching for? For anything, just going Answers? to to, to the unknown. There's sometimes like I would, but the, most of the time like. I'm just going just to see, just to explore, just to find out, just to see if if, if I would ever come back. Because there was times when I first started doing it where like I was so afraid of thinking like, whoa, if I go too far, like I might not come back. And then there was times where like I would be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me see how fucking far that I can go taking this as many times as I need to. And let me see where that's going to take me. Like, it w- Is that... It- is that fuck it place a negative place or is it a place of like I, I want to explore and see? What yeah, it is? I, I don't think it's negative. I think it's just it's just that inner me just constantly trying to face any fear, and I felt like there was a time where I was fearful of that, and then it's also like you know what? Let me see. Like I, I just want to go there to know, so then I know I don't ever want to be in a place of of just. Being like, whoa, I have this powerful tool that I can go somewhere really far, but I'm not going to explore it because I don't know what's there. And I yeah. feel like most people are in that position where they're yeah. just like, fuck, like, it's it's a scary place. And, yeah, and, it's and, really, and, really scary. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me let me go there now. Yeah, yeah but it's 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 a good feeling to, to have to know that I, I can do that because I know how much a lot of people are afraid to go there, which is fine. And, and I, maybe it's because I've been through so much in my life with like having so much things in my front of my face that made me swallow my fear or pride. I had guns pulled to my face, you know, like certain things that you see that maybe numbs you and you're just like, you know what? I've been I've been to hell like fuck like there's possibly nothing worse than where I've been through so let me go ahead and knock on this door over here because it ain't gonna be where I've been through you know yeah. and so I'm just like okay you know and then most of the time it's it's not it's not hell at all and most of the, it's more like heaven if anything but yeah. just that fear of unknown I think that's what gets people most of the time but I know it's not, I'm not opening a door to hell so yeah. I'm like I've been there already so everything else I always feel like. It's going to be good. Do you feel like, do you know anybody who has done a lot of DMT and kind of fucked them up? Nope. No. Mm-mm. I don't think there's not one soul that I know that I think there's some people that are kind of sad that now that they're exposed to this type of energy and awareness, it kind of fucks with their head because then they're surrounded by a bunch of people that are not really like in tune and sometimes that could be kind of depressing when everyone's talking about certain things that you don't give no fuck about and then you're just like fuck like now I'm stuck in this world where mm-hmm. I know too much stuff that I want to know about or I'm really into 
and a lot of people are, are still not even nowhere near there yet. Yeah. So that could be kind of sad. Because yeah. then you just feel like just it's hard to find that community of people that like, oh, man, I totally get you. Or, yeah, I've been there before. Or yes, 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 yes. You know, like, yeah. so that could be frustrating. Yeah. Even when they, I even find people that have done it, like I sometimes try to speak about my experiences. There's never really someone that really sees what you see. So yeah. it's like always hard yeah. to like try to voice your experience and yeah. your perspective to someone and that could be kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like no one understands me. <laughs> you, know, you know that the DMT pen? Yes. Does it ever get bad? I don't know. Uh, I would assume maybe, but shit, fuck. Like, I honestly, that's something that I will learn because I think now that our society is becoming more aware of the benefits of psychedelics, you know, with ketamine becoming extremely popular um, in terms of, you know, doctors and patients being able to use it in a professional or just in a safe way. Um, and I think mushrooms are definitely opening up more too for that. And and so is DMT. Like the whole ayahuasca ceremony things are taking off so much around the world where people are having these ceremonies and it's big business. A lot of people are really taking these trips to try to help heal certain traumas. And, and I think a lot of people were really exposed to their traumas during COVID. So now it's like those type of industries are I feel like taking off because more people are like, fuck, you know, like, I need to heal because of these things that I've been through. And, yeah. and so people are, are now outsourcing different ways to healing rather than just your typical antidepressants that the government has. Yeah, People are starting to, to hear about these remedies that have been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So people are like, well, fuck, well, these things have been happening and people have a lot of good experiences with them people are starting to become more comfortable with these types of medicines and so which is could be a good and a bad thing a bad thing because i feel like the 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 plants and the medicine itself it could be um where it's fake what is it called um, synthetic mm-hmm. you know what i mean like people yeah. are isn't dmt synthetic um pretty sure yeah i think so I'm thinking it's maybe. more. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, it is now. If you want to, you might as well say, yeah, it is. Because I think for like a lot of, you know, like people are trying to abstract this chemical to yeah. sell it, to make money. Yeah. So it's like, like you want to make a mass production of it. I would think people like figure out ways to, to yeah. make that chemical, man. Yeah. It's but, interesting. Um, but it's it's definitely I think gonna be a very powerful tool that a lot of people will be interested in in trying for sure. A lot of people are talking about it, and the more people talk about it, the more people are interested, and the more people feel more secure. You know, the more people say like, "Oh, like these are safe." The government did a great job, you know, like making people afraid of acid and mushrooms, saying that these are like the drugs that you're gonna. Do- Take and you're gonna fucking kill yourself, or jump off a building, or a bridge, and you're gonna go crazy. And you know, did everything they could to make people be afraid yeah. of, of of these things. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sound like a crazy person, so right. Maybe it does make us crazy. Shit, anything can make you crazy if you take too much of it, probably. But you know, yeah. know your limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's right. Huh.